Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the final review show of the group stages season 2020-2021. You're back with me, Daniel. And Aaron. And we've got Nathan back once again. How are you doing, amigo? I'm good, you? Yes, but on. Look to hear it. Much better than I was uh, for the last two podcasts. One where I was deathly silent throughout the entire thing. Um, And we've also got our good friend Alex, all the way from Scandinavia. How are you doing, Alex? Good as always. Thanks. Are you where... Are you are you actually in Norway at the minute? Are you? You're not over here. I for am. Any yeah. Crazy reason. Cool. How's weather? Terrible. It's snow and everything. But is that not Christmassy and nice? I guess it is, but it's not very very good for football, is it? No, it's not. I thought you Norwegians would be a bit used to a bit of snow. Saying that, it's quite thick and heavy every single year of your entire lives there. That's true, but I guess. Like, do you get it where it turns to sleet a few days after the snow and it's just wet smush? Yeah, sometimes. Or is it like consistent the, uh, snow? It depends. If it's cold enough, it's consistent. Yeah, because for me, I hate snow. I'm a proper Grinch when it comes to snow, but it's always because it's going to be icy a day before and you got to walk really slowly to work. You miss a bus. You've got one day of fun in the snow, and then after that, it's just everything gets sodden through your shoes. Your socks are soaking wet. True first world problems. Uh, another first world problem is having good or bad game weeks in Champions League fantasy football. Lads, I mean, Alex, are you even playing this year? Well, no. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Just got you on for the crack. Talk about Liverpool. Um, I mean, the other three people on this podcast have been playing. So we're going to quickly go through how our teams went. If you want to be spoiled, I have put the teams on Twitter. Uh, We'll start with me. And that is because out of the three of us, I am in last place, unfortunately. So I have 80 points this week. It'll be the only time I'll ever be good with an 80-point score. I was absolutely smashing it on Tuesday. But not having Neymar, not having Mbappe is just allowed everyone else to catch up. I was just completely murdered. So my team had Banu and Goal, had a bit of a, a dilemma. Should I take him out with these three points and put Sport Yellow in? Decided not to do a great decision. Sport Yellow didn't even play. Hummels was my captain for a total of 16 points. Hatterboa was seven. Angelino with 12. That could have been so much better as well if it wasn't for them nearly bottling it at the end. Big issue for me, though, I had pass slack in for two points, and he was a 17.30 transfer. I mean, it was literally 20 minutes before the deadline, and I just thought, yeah, I'm going to go for a punt. I didn't think Kunde would play. So I just swapped 11 points for two points. Really good management there, Daniel. Midfield, Casemiro with five. Vorma with 11. Get in, son. Stindl with two. Useless. Ronaldo with 12. Gomez with two. Again, useless. I can't wait to get rid of Alejandro Gomez. And uh, Tiro Mobile for eight points. Jordi Alba on the bench with one. Gundogan on the bench with two. Coleman on the bench with a big fat donut. So 
That is done to my ranks. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Overall rank 8,414. Had a look though. I'm only 90 points off first place. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's so tight. It's ridiculous that 90 points separates 8,400 and odd people because I imagine there will be some people joined with me. England, I'm 147. And our league, the main event podcast of 90 members, I'm 18th. Uh, quick shout out to first place once again, AC Hamad with Ahmad Hamd. 99 points. Savagery. Absolute savagery. I mean, if we look at just from match day one, he's on 98, 88, 63, 71, 64, 99. Filthy consistency right there. Trubin in goal. I just wanted a moment of silence there for everyone to get that. Trubin in goal, six points. Wow. Romero with 10 points. Marquinhos with five. Savage with seven. Kunde with 11. Doesn't make me bitter at all. Tiketelair with two, Jota with two, Felix with three, Barrios with five, so rubbish midfield. Ronaldo with 12, but then as a lot of people have done, Captain Neymar, 36 points in it, a done deal. Nathan, you're up next. I got 82 and I was I was happy, but, you know, uh, my defence got the majority of my points, really. I had Onana and goal, and then I had Romero, Angelino, and I stuck with Kunde. All right, rub it in. Mainly because I had no transfers left and I didn't want to take a point set. And then I went with Casemiro, who got his five. De Ketler, Jota, Stindl got his two. I stuck with Ferran Torres and luckily he got us a goal. And then I had Ronaldo with 12 and then I had Immobile, captained him. So he got his 16 points. In our league, I've gone to 31st. Um, overall, I'm 19,000th. And in England, I'm 301st. So I've actually gone down. Madness. It's That's what I'm talking about with this week. You look at your score and think, oh, yes. But so many people have got Neymar and Bappe a captain that yep. it's just crushed everyone's hopes and spirits and dreams to get green arrows. Aaron, <laughs> speaking of hopes and dreams crushed, one point away from 100. <laughs> Talk to us about that. Yeah, so I finished on 99 points. The majority of my points were on the Tuesday. I went for whoever kind of targeted early fixtures, followed my own advice, brought in Romero and brought in Bruno Fernandes and Immobile. So I took a four-point hit. As a result, finished on 99 points. So I don't know what that's... I don't know if it has to... Do, like, if it's 99 and I actually got 103, I've not really added my team up, to be fair. I just trust the numbers. I had Galaxy... Angelino, Hatterboa, and Romero in defence. Obviously, Galaxian goal. Bruno Fernandez, Quadrado, Barrios, and Jota. Mbappe, captain, Ronaldo, Immobile as my team. So, very happy with that. I was in the dilemma whether to stick with Mbappe. Obviously, they knew, like with Paris Saint Germain, knowing that they didn't have to try as hard, but they were ruthless. So, I was happy with that because I almost captained Jota. So that would have went awful. Overall, I am 4,640th. Uh, in England, I'm 80th. In the Atalanta Fan League, I am 29th and 14th in our league. So even though I've went down in our league, but it is what it is. Yeah, we've got some good players in our league. Yeah, the 
top place is I think like 63rd in the world. So yeah, it's my shadow account. But no, happy days. And so let's go through some of these fixtures. Obviously, this is the part where we did bring Alex on for uh, was to go through some of these fixtures, especially when it comes to Liverpool and his favorite team, Manchester United. But we're not going to start with Manchester United, but the other team in their group, uh, the other match in their group, which was Paris Saint-Germain 5, Istanbul 1. So this match obviously has a lot of controversy around it. It was meant to be played on the Tuesday, moved to the Wednesday. I don't know if anyone has anything they want to say on the podcast about what's happened, but I think, I, I mean, me, myself, I'm not the most qualified as a as a white person to speak on behalf of racism, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh, Aaron, Aaron, as you are Irish-blooded and your family's Irish, I send you a video on YouTube regarding how you actually can have an excellent opinion on things like this uh, in terms of certain words that are used around the world that are disgusting and how they have not only been used for black people, but for Irish people. So yeah, if you are looking for a little bit more, that is something that I'll send you just because it's just a mad thing, racism, in terms of it is a... I'm not one of these. Some a lot of people say, "Oh, time. It's such a human construct." No, it's not. It's a physical dimension. But racism is a social construct. We are all the same race. Uh, what people often deem as race is ethnicity. But even through that, because it is a social construct that we have created, there are a lot of niche opinions on how white is white. Uh, and various other things that I just think we are a football podcast. If anyone wants any information, I'd be happy to share a lot. It's something that I try to keep up a lot on over the last four or five years. Um, I was aware of Black Lives Matter fortuitously, not because I was looking for it, about four years ago, thanks to two YouTube content creators that I used to listen to, one called Andy Crowder, who's a far right-wing uh, American loves guns and hates abortion, and then T.J. Kirk, who's a atheist, left-wing, bisexual, very liberal, hate centralists. Because I just like to sort of get a grip on both. So if anyone wants anything in terms of learning, happy to send it. But for this, it is just too complicated. I do feel when you've got a platform, you should use it, you know, to identify things. I'm sure we can all agree racism is wrong, yeah. but we don't have all the information. And it's a podcast in itself. So I think it's just really important that we stick to the game. And also, lastly, because it is football related, show a bit of solidarity towards Micka Richards and John Barnes, who have played devil's advocate a little bit, try to use their own opinions as black men to talk about the issue in a way that doesn't fit the social narrative that is around the world at the minute and that's their opinion it's not our opinion it's not no one else's opinion it's their opinions and for that they've received a torrent of racial abuse online being called the c word and whatever else and that is just as disgusting and that needs to be highlighted just as much as what this man said in the game which i think we can all feel is objectively wrong but i think that's all that we should say about it does anyone disagree happy no, if I you do disagree. There. yeah that's what i was hoping we were going to say is that we are a fantasy podcast, and although we'll cover some topics and stuff like this, I don't think we're 
the best place to go to to discuss these kind of things. I mean, we're happy for people to reach out to us and talk to us about our feelings. And uh, and Dan, also, I'm happy for you to reach out about that that Irish thing. Like, uh, just a, a little background into the life of Aaron. I am learning British Sign Language. And when I'm learning the signs for different countries, you were going through, uh, obviously, the UK. And the sign for Ireland, which you would think, you know, like, associated with maybe green you'd associate maybe drinking, stuff like that. Uh, the sign for Ireland is actually like, it looks like you're wiping something off your shoulder and it's actually to represent wiping fleas off you. So, I mean, some things just yeah. get like passed down from generation to generation, but it doesn't mean that it's right. And so it's up to us yep. that whatever you believe that you stand for, like you don't try and change who you are just to try and fit an agenda, make sure that, whoever you are just stick to that and you can correct a lot of wrongs that have been done through history if a lot like if 99 people are doing something wrong it doesn't make it right so moving on to the game itself Neymar unbelievable he was the top uh, goal scorer for fantasy this week 18 points unbelievable Mbappe was the third highest scorer with 13 so for the majority of people who had both of them amazing or had either one of them a lot of people captained Neymar which is what you said Dan and just absolute crazy numbers but in terms of the goals themselves Neymar he was crazy good I thought his first goal was brilliant yeah it's like these type of goals where remember Nathan me and you last week on the review podcast we were saying whether he's world-class or not, this was definitely mm. one of his world-class performances. Yes, it wasn't against the best defence, but it doesn't have to be when Neymar's playing like this. I feel aggrieved because there's obviously, when I say this, I fully appreciate that something far more important happened for the right reasons. So when I say this, this is in complete context to us being a fantasy football podcast. But I feel like the game being played the second day... Is just so lucky for Neymar and Mbappe owners because they know now that they can play relaxed. They can play without any fear, but also with something still to play for. And that was top spot in the group. So they've had the opportunity to play to win without any fear of losing. And when you do have players of such supreme talent, that is obviously just going to spur them on to play even better. I don't think if this game continued on the Tuesday, we would have got anything like the performance out of Neymar. Just because what evidence do we have to suggest that he would have based on other performances this season or the first 14 minutes that were played in Istanbul on the Tuesday? Because they weren't bright then, particularly. But that first goal was just so much so special. His ability... But it's just... It is Neymar. We do have to, we'll always respect that as far as ability goes. He's one of the most talented players of an entire generation and certainly one of the most talented players of, of my lifetime. It just is consistency. Uh, I'm not willing to say he's consistent for having one absolutely blinding performance because that is inconsistent. But in terms of on the night, he was just, from start to finish, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. And Mbappe as well. I'm so relieved that Neymar let him take the penalty. <laughs> Obviously, Mbappe has a lot of transfer rumours about him. Alex, what 
what's your opinion on Mbappe to Liverpool? Well, I obviously hope it will happen, but we'll just have to wait and see. It's it's not really a typical Liverpool signing, is it? But we'll just wait and see. That's what I was going to ask you. Could you see Liverpool spending that amount of money on just one player? I mean, yes, they did it with like Van Dijk and all that, but you're talking about an astronomical amount of money when you compare it with that fee and the Mbappe fee. Yeah, I think it depends how much money it will be. How long does he have left on his contract? Is it a year, a year and a half, I think? So if he has one year left, then I don't think the fee will be crazy like the Neymar one when he went to PSG. But we'll have to see. And I follow the, the situation quite close. So, If you signed Mbappe, Alex, where does he play? Because I'm holding you to your word that you wouldn't want anyone in the world other than Roberto Firmino. <laughs> and then you've got Salah on one side and Mane on the other. So where would he play? That's a good question. I guess... <laughs> a horrible question. <laughs> it is, it is for sure, yeah. I just hope Sadio Mane is not listening to this podcast tonight. But, yeah, I would probably play him out at left, yeah. With Salah and so you're, you're holding firm on, on Bobby, are you? Yeah, of course, yeah. Someone has to. Let's discuss that another time. <laughs> yeah, it's not even the Liverpool section yet. I was just curious with Mbappe's, <laughs> with Mbappe's performance, because obviously this was the first time he had scored in nine Champions League games. I had him through the entire group stage, hoping that this type of return would happen. And he held all the way out till game week six. So, I mean, frustrating from a fantasy owner. But it shows that his quality that he still, even when he wasn't scoring, that he deserves all of the these rumours about him that because he is going to be the next big thing, I think, when Messi and Ronaldo retire. I mean, Mbappe's already up there. The three it's probably going to be between are going to be João Felix, Haaland and Mbappe, just judging by what they're doing at the minute. But I still think João Felix is going to be a peg beneath Haaland and Mbappe. Mm-hmm. So who who's it going to be? Who's going to be the Ballon d'Or winners? Do you reckon Mbappe or Haaland? Who's going to out the two win the first one between them? Hmm. I think I think Haaland. I would say Mbappe because it's linked more with Champions League and or international competition. I think France and Paris Saint Germain are in a better place to challenge for both than Dortmund and Norway are. No offense, Alex. That's xenophobic, Aaron. How dare you just address this at the beginning of the podcast about saying bad things about (laughs) other countries and you come out with such slander. (laughs) Norway are winning the next World Cup. You don't have to take it that far. (laughs) (laughs) Just get another group stage would have done. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I would say Mbappe. Me too. I think Haaland's better than Mbappe, but Mbappe will win it because it rarely goes on who the best player is anyway. But I, I agree with everything you said, Aaron, in terms of why Mbappe is going to win it. And I agree. I just think Haaland is a better player, personally. Yeah. And then Istanbul got a goal, which, I mean, I was trying to play around with Paris Saint-Germain defenders and their goalkeeper to get them into my team. I'm glad I didn't. And, I mean, the game was pretty much done by then, by the time they had scored. But it was it's nice for Istanbul... I think they've made a good account for themselves, especially when in our preview podcast, we said that these were going to be the whipping boys of the competition. And yeah, I'm 
I think they've given a good account of themselves. I mean, it's always difficult to go away to Turkey and get a result. And they've proved that the majority of these teams in the Champions League, that I don't think you can take your foot off too much of any of them, even if you are a quality team. I think they can hold their heads up high with the way that they've handled this tournament so far. But we'll go through uh, the other game in this group, which was very exciting. I think if it wasn't for the racist incident, I think this would be the one that we talked about first because of the actual drama of the game. Leipzig winning 3-2 to Manchester United. Angelino is a hero. We need to get that on like t-shirts. We need to get banners. Uh, and scoring, what was it in the second minute? Just unbelievable. Yeah. What a beautiful goal. Yeah. I was say it was a great finish. And then he got the assist as well uh, for another goal. Beautiful cross. When it got like 70 minutes and the game had his clean sheet, on there as well. I was just like, this is too good to be true. But obviously in, in true Manchester United fashion, they end up scoring with a penalty and then just left themselves too much yeah. too much work to do too late. It, like Because I had Bruno Fernandes in my team, like I still would have got more points if Manchester United didn't score. I'm just happy I had the goal scorer on my team. But because I obviously had Angelino and Galaxy. So... I wish that they didn't score, but it is what it is. At least I had the goal scorer. And the assist was chalked off during the point calculation, which is right, because when you saw Pogba's goal, it almost wasn't Pogba's. In terms of the game, very exciting. And obviously Solskjaer's getting a lot of critics now. And I think a lot more people are going like, oh, saying that he should leave now. What are your guys' thoughts on the game? And then more importantly, on the implications of Manchester United. I don't see Man United getting rid of Oli because he's to me it's Woodward that's brought him in. It's going to be Woodward that does the hire the the, the firing, and I think Oli's like a yes man to Woodward. I think the game itself, typical Man U performance, really turn up in the last few minutes. They've got a laughable defending Harry Harry Maguire. I don't even know how he's eight million. Never mind eighty. I mean, price is subjective, isn't it? It's only how much exactly. you're willing to buy. But I get what you mean. Like, if you're comparing to other defenders, like, he's definitely no Van Dyke, but... No, no way. Not even close. What's your thoughts, Dan? Loved the game. It was everything that I wanted a game to be. Angelino could have had even more assists, but it was a great last-minute block by Aaron Wan-Bissaka to get in front of one cross. Forsberg missed from six yards after another cross. He was unlucky not to get the second assist I think it was I think it was the assist for the second or third goal maybe the third goal um yeah it was it was the third because he did get the assist for the second goal he was unlucky not to get the assist for the third but it's I also just like burst out laughing when I watch him play because he's actually rubbish like <laughs> it's a left back he's so bad you see the screen and the ball's been on Manchester United's left so Leipzig's right and they're like trying to come forward and they'll be in like Leipzig's half about 30, 40 seconds. And then just in the corner of the screen, you'll just see Angelino sprinting back. It's like, why aren't you there? It's not like the ball was even being attacked on that side. It's just absolutely hilarious watching him play. He has to be a left wing back because going forward, he's absolutely incredible. Even for Man City, 
he put in a few really good balls. I, rem- I remember watching him one game in particular where Pep just wanted to play four at the back. So he was playing at left back. Indy was awful. He was so bad defensively. It was one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen in my entire life. But going forward, he put a couple of balls in that didn't quite make anyone, but it was more so like the attacker's fault. It wasn't his. I was like, that's not that's not bad. So he has to be a left wing back, which means I don't think he's going to fit in Pep's system when he goes back. So I've seen a lot of, oh my God, it's a Man City player. I appreciate it's obviously scoring against Manchester United. But this sort of notion that Pep Guardiola has let one of Europe's best young talents go. It's like, no, he can't play left back. He has to be a wing back because he can't defend for his life. If you just watch the games he plays, and if you just stick to watching him, you'll have a really good laugh because the things he does going forward are amazing. In his positioning going back is hilarious. Contentious penalty. I don't think it was a penalty. Um, I think Greenwood initiated the contact with Kanate. I'm surprised either of them fell over, to be honest. I thought it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. And it just shouldn't have been a penalty. My new player in the box, of course, the fall over. Um, lots of people saying, oh, it's because he's English, so nothing will be said. Uh, I'm English and I'm saying it. It wasn't a pen. Lots of people, I mean, I don't know what bubble you live in, but there are lots of people that are willing to say English people dive. Ashley Young, Raheem Sterling, two of the worst divers I've ever seen. English. Harry Kane, horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. English. I think it's a bit like the Newcastle thing where it's like, oh, all Newcastle fans expect Newcastle to finish in a Champions League place. It's like, that isn't what anyone thinks at all. Stop generalising, please. But I thought Leipzig were well worth the win. I thought Man United were much improved in the second half. With regards to Oli, he'll not go. And yeah, he's inconsistent. But ultimately, we said they'd finish third in this group anyway. And we need to get out of our minds that the Bundesliga is this Farmers League. It's a really excellent league where all four teams in the Champions League have qualified, two of which have been top of their group. The other two that finished second were in the two groups of death. So I I don't understand why people would say it's a Farmers League. I had a conversation with a couple of friends a little while back about who the best right back in the world was. They said Trent, I said Kimmich. Yes, I know Kimmich plays holding midfield, attacking midfield all over the place. But when he plays right back, he is the best right back in the world. And the only argument they really had against it was, well, yeah, but it's the Bundesliga. It's like, I think the Bundesliga teams at the minute are better than Premier League teams. Generally. I think the Bundesliga is the closest league you're going to get to the Premier League. It's. I think the Premier League is the most exciting league in the world. From top yeah. to bottom, there is excitement. Like The relegation battles are just as exciting as league challenges. That is what makes the Premier League different. But in terms of the standard of f- football, as in the standard of play, if those four German teams played in England, probably, Bayern would probably be top the season. Dortmund would be up there. Mönchengladbach would definitely be up there. And so would RB Leipzig. So I don't think the Germans get enough credit. I Oli's got a fantastic team. And as a club like Manchester United, they expect to do better and they should do better. But at the same time, the came against last year's finalists and last year's well, the quarter finalists or semi finalists, Leipzig. Semi finalists, uh, uh, weren't they? Yeah. Semi, I think I. Well, you they were in the Europa League and didn't win that. 
So what, like, if you just look at it objectively in terms of the here and now, would you expect the semi-finalists of the Europa League to get through a group that featured the semi-finalists of the Champions League and the finalists of the Champions League? And I appreciate you might say, oh yeah, but it's Manchester United, but that's not the 11 players on the pitch at the minute. And Man United might have the most talented player in Bruno Fernandes, but they've also got other players <laughs> that aren't up to scratch. I think it's more so because they were top and all they needed was to go away to Istanbul and win to secure their qualification and they let it slip. Like I think that's what it was. That's like the main disappointment is that they had beaten the other two teams that they weren't supposed to beat and then lost to the team that they were meant to beat comfortably. I think that's what most people are disappointed with. Alex, you predicted this all along. You said that not just because you're a Liverpool fan, but you just saw straight through this team and you could see them struggling. What are your thoughts on on this? Yeah, I think you you mentioned it there. They we have to remember that they beat Leipzig at home five 0 and then they beat PSG as well uh, away, wasn't it in Paris? And then they had to go down to Turkey. All they really had to do was to win that game, and then beat Istanbul at home as well and that would give 12 points and it'll be through and then they they managed to lose away I know it's not easy to go to Turkey but if a game in Turkey against Istanbul, Bakashikir or whatever you say is the game you have to win to get through in the Champions League a club like Man United should win that game quite easily I think um especially when you look at the players like Rashford, Bruno and all that. And then they managed to lose and against Leipzig, they didn't even have to win. They needed one point from that game and then they concede in the second minute. It's just, it's very clear that Ole hasn't gone far at all with this team and I think there's a lot of key players in the team that needs to look at themselves in the mirror, maybe even find a new club. I think Harry Maguire is nowhere close to where he should be. I think Lindelof is by far the best centre-back in that club. The goalkeepers are not good enough. I don't think any of the three are. And as well, Paul Pogba, McTominay starts the game. I can't see what he has to offer in the top European club. And then Mason Greenwood as well. He's young. He can be something in the future, but he shouldn't start a Man United game in the Champions League when you have to have points or get points, I don't think. So I think there's a lot of things there uh, with Man United, and I could talk about them for a long, long time, but uh, it's not up to me to choose if Ole is going to stay or not. But as a Liverpool fan, I'll be happy for him to stay as a... In the Man United perspective, we all will. I think other women to go and leave. It's not good enough for that level. So that's that group with Paris Saint-Germain and Leipzig going through. So on to Group G, which saw the Clash of the Titans again. Beautiful moment. I almost teared up. It was Juventus versus Barcelona when Ronaldo and Messi hugged each other. Well, side hug before the match. I said to Nathan, 
uh, almost got tearful during that moment. But what a great match as well. And there's a lot of problems with Barcelona right now. Uh, we've not made that a secret, but Bar- like the Champions League has kind of been their saving grace where things have been going well for them until this match. And I think we've truly seen the extent of the situation that Barcelona are in. But Messi and Ronaldo, just two absolute legends. And Ronaldo came out on top on this occasion. But just to say a stat before people start bashing Messi, that Barcelona had nine shots on target and all of them were from Messi, which is just like, he's like the only one who's capable of scoring on that team right now, it looks like. I mean, we can say Braithwaite and Griezmann, but where were they? I'd say this was a class game. This was the one that I sat down and watched and I was like, I'm not listening to the noise of any other game, really. I can watch them afterwards or I can watch highlights or I can do whatever with those other games. But this was the one where I really felt it's these two. I'm going to sit down and and watch it like this could be the last time that these two ever play against each other because we've never really had that hindsight before and we're robbed of it the first time round. And the game itself was absolutely quality. Juventus thoroughly deserved to win regardless. I don't think Barcelona really played as a team. Messi pressed more than he normally does, but it still like what it wasn't a press. It was just, you know, he closed the man down who had a ball occasionally. And that was where Barcelona faltered. Griezmann was pressing a lot in same when the subs came on, they were like, they tried to play a one system and it was very reminiscent of Argentina. And I know that we've talked about this, not on the podcast or anything, Aaron, but like just in general, where everything goes through Messi for Argentina. They sort of play a system for the nine outfield players. And then that system revolves around, you know, Messi doing something. And it kind of felt reminiscent of that where there weren't a team. It was, we're going to do our thing. And Messi, when you're on the ball, you can... You can try and do what you can do. And he, he nearly pulled it off, to be fair, the little magician. Whereas Juventus and Ronaldo all played as one unit, as one team that had a game plan and it worked to a T. Uh, slightly fortuitous with the first penalty, but I personally do think it is a penalty. And Ronaldo's not English, so we can't have that excuse. It's just a case of, I think, yeah, you know what, the player's read it and he's came across Ronaldo, but the player has also slipped and his entire body weight went on to Ronaldo. And that player, if I was to guess his weight, is going to be more than 80 kilograms. And if you're running and 80 kilograms falls on you, whether you're Ronaldo or not, you're probably going to go down. So I think the the decision, although was soft, was absolutely correct to give the pen. His second pen was so cutely dispatched it was that was definitely a pen handball by Longley that was really well taken but I think this I think the star goal was Weston McKinney's amazing builder play and then again a little like although not in the same vein but mentally the same as Breland Bolo's a couple of weeks ago where it was just unnecessary flamboyance in the box which I'm really grateful for so overall Juventus thoroughly thoroughly deserved to win they were the much much better team they looked miles apart which is obviously a huge difference from the first leg but I think that shows that Ronaldo does make a difference and he's not just a a guy that stands up front when the ball was breaking it was Morata that was running through Morata was that 
sort of focal point in the middle of front. Ronaldo was everywhere else. And yeah, he didn't fully chase the ball back in terms of a press, but Juve weren't playing a press. They consolidated. Every time they lost the ball, someone just ran past Aaron Ramsey and he wasn't bothered because his job wasn't to press the ball. His job was to get back and be in a compact shape. And that's what they all did and thoroughly deserved it. Definitely. This was the best I've seen Juventus play all year. Like, and I was saying that to you all, like this Juventus performance, because this is probably the first time that people have watched a full Juventus game this season, hearing me on the podcast saying that there's no shape, they don't know what they're doing, it's very inconsistent. And then you see this performance, you're kind of like, does Aaron know what he's talking about? So it's one of them things where you looking at this Juventus performance and like, where did that come from? And then now the question is, can you repeat that? Because mm. if that is what Perlo is building towards, then Juventus can be an amazing team. And if they perform like that in Syria, they, uh, there's no one going to stop them, in my opinion, to win in the title. It's just whether they can replicate that. But it was such a good shape. Buffon making lots of saves, getting eight points in fantasy. I mean, that's a great budget option for the 3% of people that had him. Yeah, he was rolling back the airs when he performed. Was quality some of them saves like <laughs> none of them were like unbelievable or anything, but they were just just in the right place for it to look class and haven't put a bit of effort in. Everything was just like really nice for him to make some quality saves that were impressive, but not like mesmeric. But obviously, for a, how old is he now? Seventy-two. Yeah, I mean, if I older than his manager. Pardon? I think he's older than his manager from what I heard on the TV. Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> he looks a bit older. Still a very beautiful man. The pair of them. That's a that's a good-looking duo. Yeah, it was just quality to see that happen. And obviously on the same stage as Messi and Ronaldo coming to their sort of ends and, you know, playing against each other. Buffon obviously exercising a few demons after recent performances against Barcelona in finals. So it was just... Great all round to see, and I'm really happy that that was the game that I watched. Yeah, exactly the same. I I watched that full game, and I said use from about seven minutes in or something. Juve just looked looked a different unit. Like the midfield was well managed. It seemed like Ram to me. Ramsey had a very good game, um, but I think standout. Yes, people are going to say Ronaldo for the goals, but I think standout player for me was Morata. I think he was probably one of the best games I've seen him play in a while. We'll just forget that ball that he played out to the wing <laughs> early in the game. <laughs> out for a throw-in. <laughs> I just have to say that I think McKenney played a really good game as well. Yeah, McKenney played really well. He had the goal, but as well, everything he did was just spot on. How old is he? All the way through. I don't know, 22, I think. Younger than Perlo. <laughs> If that's the that's the now measurement that we're using, yeah, is it is he older or younger than Perlo? <laughs> that's what we're going with. But none of us know how old Perlo is, so that's the <laughs> extra fun of the game. Spice. Bonucci, who's younger than Perlo, <laughs> he almost got a goal as well. When I he saw did. him, when I saw him do his signature celebration, I was just like. Oh no! I've told so many people not to have him in their teams, and then he got disallowed. So I feel like I was okay in the end. Perlo, Perlo is forty-one. Forty-one. Yeah, there you go. 
Uh, Alex, you had a good stat on De Jong. Oh, yeah. His passing accuracy in the Champions League so far has been 97%. He's wow. missed 12 passes. Some boy. So, insane, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder how many passes were forward. Yeah. <laughs> Probably two. <laughs> maybe the 12 we missed. So he got an uh-huh. assist. He got an assist in one of the games, didn't he? He like chipped it over. Uh, so that's probably one of them. And then I can't remember what the other ones were. But <laughs> 600 <laughs> passes, though. Yeah. Mad. But great game. Absolutely loved it. And Juventus finish on top in that group. The other game in that group, not really much to say on it. But Dynamo Kiev won 1 0. So they go into the Europa League. I would have liked to have seen Frank Varos go through, but I think that performance really shows that these two teams were not at the level of most of the Champions League teams, but still decent sides, but not at Champions League level because, I don't know, watching the highlights, there were so many missed shots. But I didn't even watch the highlights. No one wants to hear about this game. So, Nathan, I'll ask you a question specifically about Dynamo Kiev. What did you think about the Man of the Match performance? Um, yeah. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's Man of the Match. Uh, I was like, Nathan's actually going to give an answer. <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> I was going to quickly Google it, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll move on to the next group which is Lazio, well, Group F, Lazio 2, Bruges 2. Exciting game. We all had a Mobley in our team. What did you guys think of this game? You had Vorma, Dan. What a performance by him. Oh, what a performance. And he was so close to getting an assist at the end. It was absolute heartbreak for me, just because obviously I'd said that Bruges had finished second in the group. They were so close. But when you left back, just starts taking liberties. Two minutes in, pulls the forward shirt back. Obvious cynical tackle, Satsupukin. Could have been sent off for something, a little, just something little, but I think the referee made the right decision in saying not every foul's yellow. Then was outrageously lucky not to be sent off when he scythed down the same player that he got the yellow card against, which I kind of believe wasn't a yellow card. And it's just like, right, okay, the rain's coming down. He's had three. He's on a yellow. And he's already lucky not to be sent off. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer had this last week with Fred. Get him off. doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes, half an hour. You have to get him off. His head's gone and he can't play. They decide not to. And he's unlucky with the foul. Like, it is a foul. It's definitely a foul. I think after the other one, he's got to be booked and he's got to be sent off. But it's one of them where... I see. I can totally see what he's doing where he thinks he's got a bit more time and as he's went to play the ball, the forward's nicked in front of him. But he shouldn't even have been on the pitch by his manager's standards, let alone his. Uh, really happy with Bruges in general for the group. I'm happy that the three players that we firmly stuck by at the, in our group previews were said there were three outstanding choices. Ignore Bonaventura, which outside of game week one, and he didn't really do that much anyway, was good advice. But also the three players you want are Vanekin, Vorma and De Ketele. And they've all, they've all had returns on multiple occasions for being such budget options. I was absolutely chuffed to bits with Vorma getting a goal. I think Vanekin got the assist, maybe. And then obviously he gets an assist for Vanekin. 
Lazio so fortunate in this game to be going through. Really good first goal. But the second one, the penalty, it's not that it shouldn't be a pen because it's absolutely a penalty. But I don't understand what the defender's doing. Why has he made that tackle? The ball's running out of play. Immobile can't do anything. It's like that is like real Sunday league defending. I've seen a few players do that, and you just have a laugh in the pub afterwards. Like, what were you doing? Like, oh, oh, don't care. It's just you're a professional footballer. So when you've got a defender making a challenge like that in the box, then your left back doing his absolute best to get sent off as early as possible. Then you're always gonna have an uphill battle. But in the second half, they deserve to get something. They hit the bar. They've had a few other chances, and I'm absolutely gutted for them. Nothing to do with being... I'm not like against Lazio or anything. I just really wanted Bruce to progress. Do you think in the second half, because I was flicking between both games at this point, like, do you think Lazio, when they got to turn it up and obviously with the 10 men, they just thought, right, that's it, we've done it. And that was why like players like Immobile, Correa, all them came off and Lazio just thought they could sit and hold on? Potentially. I think Aaron's probably better to answer that question. I don't think so. Immobile getting substituted is quite common. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a few difficult games coming up. Like they've got Napoli coming up in the next few games, uh, followed by AC Milan. And so, if they want to challenge uh, in the league, they've got to rest their older players. Uh, Immobile is younger than Perlo, but not by much. <laughs> yeah, and they've just got a different. This is a typical Lazio performance, like. I think I said it in the preview podcast, you don't know who which Lazio you're going to get. Uh, and they were, just, they were very unfortunate. They were one of the own four teams that were unbeaten during the group stage, though, even though they still finished second. So fair play to them. I wasn't expecting them to qualify. I think I said they were finished for third, I think, and made a good account for themselves. But I think it's more so... Just being, that's a typical Lazio thing to do just because they are inconsistent That and the players are older, which is why I think they did the subs rather than thinking it was over. And then the other game in this group was Dortmund 2, Zenit 1. Dortmund winning again without Haaland and ended up finishing top of the group. Anything... Anyone wants to add to, to this game or this group? Can I add, with Dortmund, I think it shows how much Haaland has missed in that team. I mean, yes, he didn't. He had Sancho on the bench, but when you looked at the way they were playing, it seemed like they had no threat for a lot of the game. Like they were just, they had no one that could just get the ball and finish, really. And it, it looked obvious at times. Uh, I thought Bellingham played quite well in the midfield. Uh, seems like he's coming on to be a really, really good player. Him, yeah. They just they didn't have anyone threatening to get in behind. Marco Royce as a forward is very much still a shades of a centre forward or an, a central attacking midfielder or left winger. Where especially at his age, uh, like he's getting on to Perlo's age, so he, he can't really get in behind too much anymore. Like his muscles have gone. He's had so many injuries. So they need someone that's going to be able to run in behind, which is what Haaland will do and obviously finish the chances. I thought we were very lucky because the overall play was was all right. But when it broke down up front, Zenit were hitting them on the break, especially 
for most of the first half and the early shades of the second half, I think they tired out a little bit. Rice, still a quality player, hit the bar, really good shot. Didn't have any right <laughs> to be shooting, but was quality. And then Dortmund needed a bit of luck with the goals, let's be yeah. honest. Both goals were fortuitous, particularly the first one. But I'm happy because I've got Hummels and he got an assist for it. I, just I thought think, Malcolm had a good game. I thought Zenit players played really well. They're just mm-hmm. tired out after a while. Um, we've seen it before with them. It's not the first time they did it in the first game of Bruges. Yeah. But they definitely prefer to be playing on the counter-attack, I think, against these sorts of teams. And especially when I think Lucas Piszczek is the same age as Perlo, and you've got Hummels, who wasn't much younger. And they've got an old, they had an old, slow, like centre back partnership going on there it, with the three full backs. And then they had naivety on, as both wing backs. So I felt like Zen exploited that. And if anything, they'll be really upset that they didn't come away with something more from this game, not just for how the game did go, but I think that they could probably have expected to have got a result here, just seeing how depleted and how young and experienced or old in some areas Dortmund were. All right, moving on to Group B, which was, I mean, this was definitely the group with the most at stake, the fact that any of these teams could qualify. Starting off with Real Madrid, I think it threw me off quite a bit not seeing them in the Bernabeu. But overall, good performance. Benzema, two good goals. And Modric almost got his group stage goal, uh, as all the midfielders get. I think he might have got one earlier, but he almost got another one to show that the Real Madrid midfielders are just, they get their one goal and that's it. And... Overall, they finished top of the group and much and glad back. Glad I didn't put Vent into my team who I had on the bench because this was quite tame to their standards that we'd seen. But I'm sure they're, I don't know if you've seen the video, but have you seen where they're all watching from a computer the other game to see if they've qualified or not? Uh, they were watching, they were all huddled around watching it on an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Phone <laughs> went there. Great stuff, great scenes. Happy for both teams to go through to yeah. the next round. Yeah. I'm really happy for Munching Gladbach. Obviously, wish they went through top, but still have Obviously, I've got no love or hatred towards Real Madrid. They're just Real Madrid. Like, I think it would have been absolutely hilarious to have Munching Gladbach and Shakhtar go through personally. But I think, obviously, Zidane's been under a lot of pressure. And it's not rocket science. Ramos, Casemiro, Benzema all played in the middle. They go up against the league leaders in the beaten 2 0. And it could have been four or five, let's be honest. This wasn't a 2 0. This was an absolute hammering. They had goals disallowed. They were hitting the crossbar. <laughs> Rodrigo's goal was absolute, uh, sorry, cross for Benzema was absolute mustard as well. So Real Madrid thoroughly deserved this. I think Munching Gladbach are going to be a worry for the next stage because I think. I think they're really easy to predict in a sense that they'll do well against weaker teams and the struggle against better teams, which I know sounds really obvious, but there's actually not that many teams that you'd say that about. Like, for example, Manchester United are the exact opposite, where they do well against good teams and struggle against weaker teams. So 
it's a case of with them, I'll be getting rid of Stindl. Yeah, same. Alex, because we have you on, Odegaard played for Real Madrid during the group stage. I know you're not a massive fan of Haaland, but what do you think about him? I quite like him, to be honest, but we grew up in the same place, so I know he's a, he's a very nice guy and he's done. I think he's done quite well. Struggled a little bit for for Madrid this season, but Zidane seemed to give him chances quite often, so hopefully he can build on that and just improve from here. Yeah, I feel like he had a lot of pressure on him. Oh, yeah. Like, he had a lot of pressure because he was signed at 16 it seems like he's be like it seems like he's an older player than what he is mm-hmm. but he's also one of them players kind of like Neymar where we just think he's young forever mm-hmm. because they like kind of like Mbappe and stuff like that we just assume that they're a really young player when actually Mbappe is starting to get into the, his prime age and stuff like that so Odegaard isn't he's not a full youngster anymore but it's good to see him get these opportunities when he, I guess, didn't think that he was going to get them. Yeah, I think he just hit 25 games for Norway as well. So he's played quite a lot for the national team. So he's starting to be very experienced, even though he's only, I think he turns 22 this month. That's the crazy part, isn't it? Because he's like been a part of FIFA teams and stuff like that for like seven years now. <laughs> Which, which we just assume that he's older than what he is. But no, good to see him get the opportunity. You know, I just thought that would be a cool insight because we don't really hear much about him anymore. But talking about the other game in this group, not as exciting, not any dominant performances in a Milan nil, Shakhtar nil. I mean, Inter had the chance. Real Madrid did the job. All Inter had to do was win. And... Inter probably had the best chance of the game when Martinez smashed it off the crossbar. Or when Lukaku got in the way of Sanchez's header. That too. It was uh, tense towards the end. Mm-hmm. But too little too late. Yeah, they got the clean sheet bonus, at least for all those who had Akimi and stuff like that. But they finished fourth in the group, so they do not even get into the Europa League. Does that put pressure on Conte? No, he's not... He's, he's brought in to win the league. He's right. Not, he, Europe is just kind of a bonus fitting at Milan right now. Even though they expect to qualify for the Champions League, Conte has been brought in to win Scudetto. Okay. So the fact that they have no European games anymore puts a lot of pressure on AC Milan because they're the two teams that are top two. So I think Inter Milan have went up a few places in the favourites to win Serie A now. Mm. They're going to be quite a difficult team to beat because they are allowed to rest from one week to the next now. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully they don't catch up to AC Milan, but we will see. We will see Shakhtar making it in. I think some of their performances this group stage, they deserve to go into the Europa. And hopefully... the 100%. Like beating Real Madrid twice. If they didn't qualify for Europa League, it would be a, a big injustice, in my opinion. As Mourinho's already started with all of his uh, mind games, he said it specifically about Manchester United. 
but he said that all of these bad teams that aren't on Tottenham's level get rewarded with a Europa League place for playing bad. <laughs> Just <laughs> get into it. Love this. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he said it specifically about Manchester United, which made it even better, saying that Manchester United aren't on the same level as Spurs and they get rewarded with Europa League place. So see how that turns out when they face each other soon. Real Madrid, Gladback, they are the two teams to go through. And now to the group that, well, Alex has been waiting for, a Group D, Michelin 1, Liverpool 1. What did you think about this game, Alex? Just go straight to you. Trent captain. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the first minute and that was about it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the game itself was just awful. Nothing happened and VAR just ruined the game. I think eight minutes at a time just show that. And yeah. Awful game. Mm-hmm. Boring. We just got are you optimistic? Like, it. are you? I know you'll be happy finishing top, but how do you assess your situation? Obviously, with a lot of injuries, I know they're coming back, but challenging on both uh, both the Premier League and Champions League, do you think you'll have the strength to be able to to do both again? I think so. Um, I think it depends. I'm very, very happy that Kelleher has been as good in the goal. If we had Adrian, that would just be, yeah, no words to explain. His performances this and last season, I think he's absolutely awful. Um, at centre-back, we've struggled a bit as well, but if Fabinho and Matip can stay fit, I think we're covered there as well. Um, I'm also very happy that Jones has been quite good. He's played well, so if he can continue to improve, Nabi stays fit, as well as Genie and Hendo, I think we'll do quite well. So I'm not too concerned, but it'll for sure be hard over Christmas. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing everyone get Curtis Jones in your team. He was benched and didn't even come on as a sub, so I apologise. <laughs> but hopefully people saw that because that was the early fixture and they could make sure he was on the bench. Alex, yeah, I was looking at the like when Liverpool posted their team up last night. I was looking at like the comments underneath it, and a lot of fans weren't happy that like the likes of Fabinho and Salah played because obviously with your injuries, were you with the same thing? And like, why are you risking players in a game that means nothing? Nah, because the intensity in a game like yesterday is very different from an important game. So having Fabinho back there in a game that we should take the control in, pass the ball, should be just fine. Same with Salah as well. He's been out for a bit. So for him to get a full game in a game that he shouldn't have to press as much as normal, I think was just just fine. And Klopp said as well after a game that Salah looked fine. So he just kept him on for 90 minutes. So it was more, especially for like Trent, because he came on as a sub in the last game this was more for him to get his match fitness back so that he had it for the Premier League. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think I, I, think I said that in the, the preview about Trent that he probably, if he played, it's going to be to get him that like you were playing this week to get him match fitness. Yeah. 
that was it. And I think I was with Salah as well. So he can mm-hmm. just, yeah, be on for the weekend. So for anyone playing the Premier League fantasy football, I would say bring Salah in for, for the weekend. <laughs> Against Fulham. Oh, yeah. Uh, true. I've already got Jota. I can't afford Salah. That's I'll fair. send you mine after. The struggles, the struggles. But overall, it was a good game for Liverpool. At least you just didn't lose, uh, looking at the positive side and through top of the group, which is where you were probably expecting. I know some of us predicted Atalanta to finish top, and I think that was more the uh, our one. So that was the desire of our heart. But unfortunately, they finished second. Uh, so we'll go on to that game, finishing 1-0. That was a, a tight match. Very, very tense. But Muriel, the super sub, coming on and scoring that goal in the end. Obviously, the red card probably had an uh, influence on that game. But what were your guys' thoughts on on the Atalanta-Ajax game? Fairly boring, wasn't it? Not much happened. Neither team clicked particularly well. And Gasparini's tactics of bringing Murray along with his pace towards the end of the game worked out for once. So I definitely agree the red card played a pivotal part in the proceedings. But just happy that Atlanta have gone through as that seems to be all of our second teams. Well, maybe not Alex's, but mine, yours and Nathan's. It's our second team, especially now that Bruges are out. Yeah. R.I.P. Bruges. At least there's still one black and blue team in the in the competition. Yeah, the, the last one. <laughs> the last still, vigil of a better still, time. Still need to get that shirt, like I said in uh, one of the previews. Yeah, you do. You, you really do. Overall, I was happy because I obviously doubled up on the Atalanta defence. So as a risk as that was, if I had a, if Sport Yellow was playing, I still probably wouldn't have brought him on. Because I don't think you, because I was expecting Ajax to score, and I was only really looking at um, the ball recovery points and potential assists. I didn't even bank on any clean sheets. But happy with the result. Happy Atlanta get through, and I'm happy that I can stay in the fan league. Anyways, Alex has got to leave us now. But thanks for coming on, Alex. Really, really good insights, and cheers for coming on. Moving on to Group A, well, these last few games didn't really matter much, in my opinion, so we'll just skim through them. Salzburg, Atletico Madrid, Atletico, a typical Atletico Madrid performance, wasn't it? Like, Salzburg had the chances, but Atletico were just stubborn, got the goal, defended for their lives, ended up qualifying as a result, so... Last goal from Carrasco, though. Like, yeah. Amazing, like, good build-up play, amazing crossing, especially to overlook... Felix running in the middle and then the finish was just so composed like that's just what makes the difference at this level Salzburg at least they get into the Europa League they deserve it with their performances they've been a joy to watch sometimes but it is just kind of what we were saying in previous podcasts that their team has been decimated on so many times but Atletico Madrid just really stubborn, showing that they're good defensively and well done to all those that got the clean sheet bonus. Moving on to Bayern Munich, uh, beating local Moscow 2-0, a typical 
Bayern Munich performance as well, to be fair. <laughs> weakened, weakened team, uh, which I, we were all expecting. So happy that I didn't have... Well, happy that I was able to get rid of Coleman. At least I got some points for Fernandez, So that wasn't a wasted transfer. I mean, does anyone else have anything to add on this game? No. Nah, Boateng got a lot of points. Did he? No, sorry, Sula. Sula got a lot of points. I was going to say Sula scored, and then obviously the clean sheet bonus would have made it even better. Yeah, I didn't even watch the highlights for this game. He was the second highest goal-scoring player in this game week. Got 16 wow. points. So well done to the people that had Sula in their team. 1%. But by defender, do you mean? Was that the second highest goal-scoring defender? No, no. It Like this week, he was the second highest player. Was he? So Neymar was first, 18 points, 16 for Sule, Mbappe, 13, Carrasco, 13, so on and so forth. Fair play if you've got him. Yeah, especially at 5.1 million. Bayern Munich top, Atletico Madrid second. I think that's what we all predicted. So not really anything exciting there. I would say but, that, but I'm pretty confident I said Salzburg had finished second. You might have actually. I don't know, so Gotta long go ago, Dan. puns sometimes, boys, so long do ago. these things sometimes. You've got to go for these puns. You can't just sit there and be the same as everyone else. It's got to be different. You've got to get those likes. Uh, no, I just <laughs> it was one of those things, wasn't it, where we just didn't really know what Atletico were going to turn up. So, yeah, is what it is. They deserve to go through for sure, even if they do play some of the most boring football you're ever likely to see. I would love Next. to see a game between. Atletico Madrid versus Tottenham. I think that would be great. Yeah, I was about to say. Because they'd just be both sat back defending. They'd give you the ball, wouldn't you? No, no you attack. No, no you attack. <laughs> you attack. On to the next game. It looks on your notes, that Dan, that Man City won 7-0 when they won 3-0. That was his expectation. Well, look, you'd win, to be honest, wouldn't it? Paya had a goal disallowed. He had another couple of good chances. He looked like he was up for it. Mm. I think Marseille looks overall like that was their best performance and a couple of scruffy goals later and that's it. 3-0, job done. I thought there should have been a couple of goals ahead before Torres scored. Really good goal, really good ball through, finish, everything excellent. Man City did have a couple of chances, not to say that they didn't, but I thought it was a nice open game mm. with two teams that didn't care. I think Marseille were fighting for their pride more than anything else. But the last two goals were just... Really messy. Scrappy. Scrappy is a really good word for it, yeah. Uh, and I think Pep Guardiola, job done. He'll be happy. He's managed to rotate his team nicely. Can't believe Gundogan played, but he only ended up getting two points anyway. He nearly got an assist because uh, he put one right on top of Laporte's head. Should have went in. Never mind. These things happen. But I'm happy that it didn't because he was on my bench. Yeah, there wasn't much to say about this or the... I think the most notable thing was actually in the next game, the Porto 2-0 game, where Oliveira didn't play. So they got another pen. Have they got a pen in every game? Yeah. They must yeah. have five pens in a row. And Oliveira wasn't on the pitch to take it. So Portuguese Man United. Well, they are. For those who stuck with them, in total points over the whole game, out of the group stage, you've got Romero, who had 50 Angelino, 46, but matched with that, you have Sanusi, Porto defender, who's also on 46, and he's 5 million. His price has not risen or fallen. 
So whatever UEFA have in their rules, just forget it. They just make it up. Mbemba, he was the seventh highest goal scoring player in the group stage with 38, and he's 4.8 million. Four, yeah, 4.8, he's risen from 4.5. But for those who had Porto in their, in their team to start with, you've got premium numbers from them both. So well done on that. Uh, the goalkeeper's risen in price, but it's just a shame that the defenders aren't following. But I don't know how useful that will be in the knockout stages. But Porto playing very defensive and only conceded three goals through the whole tournament, uh, full group stage, and Man City conceded one. So they were the teams to get in. Moving on to the last group, Sevilla 3-1, Koundé, who's went down in price. It pays to stick with him, doesn't it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have him in my team. I took him out Nathan, last week. if we wanted your opinion, <laughs> we would have invited you onto a podcast to get it, mate. Yes, yeah, keep your mouth shut. Wow. <laughs> 3-1, they finished second. And Chelsea, in a nothing game, drew 1-1. So Chelsea finishing top, which... Did any of us say that? I think we all said Sevilla would finish top. I don't know. Possibly. We said Sevilla, then Chelsea, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Chelsea conceded two goals the whole tournament. Uh, I mean, they had that really long streak of not conceding when Mendy was there. And they are also one of the only four unbeaten teams. So, well played for Chelsea. Lampard can be very happy with that. And they'll be a difficult team to face. Because I think we saw it last year where Real Madrid were awful during Christmas and January. And then they came back in February and it was just a totally different Real Madrid team. And then when it came to the Champions League before all the seasons were cancelled, Man City versus Real Madrid was actually a really tense game. Because I remember last year, I don't know if you do, Dan, when the draw was first made, we were like, oh, it's not the same Real Madrid. Man City will walk through them. And then when it actually got to the game, me and you had so many grey hairs trying to predict which players we should get into our teams. So a lot can change. Yeah. I'm hoping that Chelsea can got the full start on 11, Pulisic, uh, Havertz, Werner's actually scoring. Like I hope they're just f- like free-flowing football and there's no injuries. But... I think that advice can go with any of these teams that a lot can change between now and February. And so we'll try our best to keep you all up to date. Frank Lampard is one of, I think he's the first English manager to win a group since Harry Redknapp. What a statistic that is. He's uncle. Yeah, he's uncle. (laughs) Something in the blood, isn't it? That's an amazing statistic, that. That's incredible. If that's true, that is incredible. But I mean, also, how many English managers have there been since Harry Redknapp? In the Champions League, don't think there's been many. I mean, you've got the great Sir Alex Ferguson, great English manager. (laughs) Just upset all my Scottish fans. (laughs) Oh, you just ruined them. Sorry, Scotland. Oh, man. I'm going to get hunted now. But (laughs) uh, overall, I'm quite happy with the group stage. I'm, I'm happy with where we all are in the rankings, especially me. And we've all... We've I'm all just got, happy I'm not last. <laughs> we've all got our wild cards, I think. No, we don't. Did you use both? Maybe. Ugh. Maybe. 
<laughs> the mere well, Aaron, me and card. you have got a wild card left each anyway. Yeah. And so I was not at this stage last season. I think I was still like 15, maybe 10,000. Because we hadn't started the podcast yet, Dan, which is crazy. Correct. We had. So this is our first group stage. How do you think it went? Really well. Lots of lessons learned about formatting on how to like actually squeezing so many games like it flows so much better for the round like round of 16 but then in particular the quarterfinals onwards are so much easier to do so this was like a massive challenge considering we both have full-time jobs i mean you've got a you had a baby in june nothing to do with steph it was all you um <laughs> exactly and then I mean, even just because the podcasts have been getting so much bigger and releasing two a week, I've had to learn to edit uh, on top of a bunch of other stuff. Let's be honest, just uh, including coronavirus. And then we obviously had that period between last year, which was mad. So I think it's been a great year so far. Um, And as far as the group stages go, I think it's went really well. A few hiccups but I think we've learned really well from them. And this is the last podcast that we'll be doing that we haven't done before because our very first podcast, other than explaining who we were, was a round of 16 preview, wasn't it? Yeah, and I was in America at the time. Man, crazy. Out, You know when like people say to go back and listen to your first episodes and you can see how far you've come? Yeah. I might do that. Yeah. Uh, just while I'm at work to see how how bad the editing and stuff was and the audio quality and oh, we didn't like edit, did we? Nah, I think we just did threw we it up, edit? didn't we? Nah, we threw it up. Yeah, it was and it wasn't a case of one separate rooms. It was uh we were sat and because I think the second podcast you were in America, the very first one, me and you sat together on your sofa with a headphone in each ear and looked at each other and spoke. Wow. <laughs> sat on your city. Uh, whereas wow. now we've both got you know what I love I love the old podcasts where it was like and yeah next week we're going to be buying mics and then a week later <laughs> so I've looked at a few mics so we should have those sorted and it was like 12 weeks in a row of us promising our listeners that would get microphones and not just use headphones because so, uh, microphones. it was like they were learning how to create a podcast along with us because we were like yeah, oh, uh, we've looked at microphones. They're more expensive than what we thought. <laughs> so stay tuned, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what a journey. Fun. And uh, thanks to Nathan as well, because obviously you weren't a, a regular feature last year, were you? It was more so like I wasn't towards, towards the very end. end. It was during that mini the mini tournament for the Champions League quarterfinals and stuff, wasn't it? That you yeah, it was watching? before. It was before the second leg of the Real Madrid game with Man City. Yeah. So thanks for jumping on. I think uh, you've improved massively as well, mate. I think we all have. I think it's been a a thing, especially the first week that I had my microphone was really weird because I'm now speaking into a big black circle, so I can't see anything, which was a bit bizarre. So I think even once you get that in and then you learn a bit more, it's but it's been so much fun and I can't wait for the for the next round. A couple of months off from doing it, which is gonna be good. Spend time doing other things and 
it's Christmas time, so it's a really useful time for us not to have to do Champions League podcasts. If anyone does want any special podcasts, at UCL Fantasy Pod on Twitter. Just send us a message and, you know, if someone wants it, we'll probably get bored, so I'm sure we'll have got time to do a couple of podcasts over Christmas. Dan, I've got one for me and you. Aaron can join in as what well if he, if he remembers it. We should do Newcastle's run in the Champions League, including the Feyenoord game. Great days. One hour walk. Crickets. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone would want to listen to that, I'll be honest. Nathan. Well, you never know. Including us. I think I just uh, get depressed. I think I just get depressed halfway through and realize where we are now. Yeah, it's not good for us. But no. CLV, it's great for the uh the 16 teams that have qualified. Congratulations to them all. Good for everyone that didn't go through. But there's always next year. Aaron, thanks so much for jumping on as ever. I'll see you in the new year, as I will with you, Nathan. Thanks. Uh, feel free, like I've just mentioned, uh, follow us on Twitter at UCL Fantasy Pod. I'll try and get back to you as much as I can, but I do have a job, and it is just to sort of supplement this podcast more than be an actual Twitter page in itself. That being said, we would like 500 followers before Christmas, so if you can get on that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, we're also on Spotify and YouTube at the main event, Champions League Fantasy podcast so hit us there if spotify isn't available where you are share it with your friends love it give it to someone as a christmas gift i'm sure it's exactly what they want old fantasy football content for champions league that being said if we don't make a podcast before christmas to all that celebrate christmas merry merry christmas to all that don't just have a fantastic december as ever and we cannot wait to get back to you in the new year except if you're listening in china where it won't be the new year Bye, everyone.